Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. And a somber edition because uh, today we clean up the rest of the divisional round weekend. We'll check in on some recent NFL news and notes, including some coaching hires that have come through over the last few days. And then we will, of course, take a look ahead to conference championship weekend, make our picks of who is going to the Super Bowl. Joining me today, of course, YB, as always, all the way from South Korea, uh, a man who is uh, dedicated to rooting for the Ravens this week, despite his alliance to the Bengals. It is... Wait, uh, what now? Let's, let's get this straight. I am not rooting for the Ravens. Okay. All right. Uh... That is, that is slander, and I will not tolerate that on this podcast. <laughs> and a guy that, you know, I could have pressed. I could have pressed. I could have said midnight Eastern time. Let's Sunday night. Let's let's just you and me, Mason, sit down for a chat. I could have said Monday, the day it sucks the most. Let's get together. But no, I was a good guy. I give you till Tuesday. Uh, joining me now is, uh, unfortunately, uh, well, not unfortunately, I'm very glad he's here, but the second part of his name is unfortunately, it's, it's Mason from Buffalo. I, I'll just, I, I don't even really know where to start here, Mason. Uh, I just want to give you the floor. It feels only fair. Um, a certain scumbag, uh, fentanyl dealer slash, uh, malcontent, 20 something with no life priorities and uh questionable social skills is not here per usual uh so you have you have the entirety of the floor on this game mason and then i think we can we can jump in but i just i just want to say i saw i I shot you a text sunday night i I knew you wouldn't respond but i just want to say my thoughts are with you man i i want to give you a hug i know i often say on this that i have it really bad as a broncos fan uh no one no one quite has it as bad as the people of buffalo and uh bills fans and i i know what it's like to get close and get sniped that happened to peyton manning a lot before that fateful defense carried Super Bowl. So I I, uh, I feel for you and uh, the floor is yours. Uh, I'm dead inside. And um, when Taylor finally drops the Revenge album, absolutely destroying Travis Kelsey, I'm going to buy like 18 copies of it. Actually, 17, 17 copies for Josh. God, I hate the Chiefs. And their fans, all of them. They're all terrible human beings, especially that fentanyl-dealing scumbag from Canada. You know who you are. Oh, yeah, it, I mean, it, it says a lot that he's not even here to defend himself today. Uh, some of the stuff sent in the group chat bordered on bullying to an extent that I just wasn't comfortable as someone who hosts uh, group chat. But yeah, you know, now you see it, Mason. They are scumbags. They are all, for the most part, scumbag losers who have let winning go to their head and think they have it so bad because their team was bad for years and years and years. (laughs) Guess what? They don't understand that once you win two Super Bowls in the span of three years, that all gets erased. 
And so they 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 will claim they are a hard pressed fan base, but they have been given everything on a silver platter. They have been given a generational quarterback at really no cost to them, considering where they drafted him. And yeah, it's a it's it's just a it's just a shame. I I I feel like in this game, you're like. There, there are so many things you can point to, you know, the fake punt, the missed field goal, Josh Allen going big play hunting with like a minute 44 left. Yeah, there, but that was not Josh. There's a, there's when, a lot. When he goes big play hunting and he hits people in the hands three times in a row and they yeah. put it on the freaking ground. Yeah. You can't blame him anymore. Yeah. Because Stephon Diggs needs to go out there and make that freaking catch. That's literally yeah. what you're being paid for, dude. And yes. it hit you in the damn arms. Yeah, that one, that one particularly, uh, was the worst. Uh, was the worst moment. Was the worst. Really, anything. And I guess I'll just. Where do you even want to go with this game, Mason? Do you want to like break it down and like check through like the wreckage of how this went wrong? Because th- this was a great game for about three and a half quarters, and then. The Chiefs defense stiffened and things started to kind of fall apart with receivers dropping balls and people fumbling and Dalton Kincaid having to save the day by knocking balls out of bounds and and stuff like that. It, it just became they just became wildly unraveled when the fourth quarter started. And that that I guess is um where where are we at with with coaching, because I, I, I know I think I know what you're going to say, but I think for what he was given, Sean McDermott did a really good job and he made the right call by firing the old OC and putting Joe Brady in. And like they, the offense was better the second half of the year and the defense was really good despite losing all those players and they just got banged because MVS decided to show up and have like a 150-yard game randomly, and the Chiefs kind of put it on. And I, I know you don't want to hear this, but like what are the better options than than him right now? Like I, I, I don't I don't know if there are many. And I I because I, I don't think Bill Belichick's gonna go coach the Buffalo Bills, and I don't think that you even want that. I, I just I don't I don't really know where they go from here. They have a lot of free agents pending. Like what what do you think is next here? It's it it is hard to know because I mean as much as I'd like to blame coaching, because that was definitely a large part of the issue through a big portion of the year. It feels like it was execution and it's kind of hard to blame a lot of the team because most of them shouldn't have been on the field. Like, half of that defense back half should never have been on the field during this game in the first place. And yet, half of them were starting, and then the other half had to go in because we still sustained even more injuries during this game because, heaven forbid, we go through one game without having four dudes have to go to the tent and three of them get taken back to the locker room. I mean, we got fortunate enough. Kukmi came in for that one fourth down play, but I don't think he was particularly right from that point in the game on. So now we're down yet another offensive weapon, and frankly, one of the only ones that was working the whole day. 
like but the bigger problem was was outside of josh the big stars didn't show up in the moments that they needed to none of them did Von I, Miller I will disagree. Make... James James Cook got shut okay, down in the sorry. fourth quarter, but he had a fantastic day. And I, I won't take Dalton Kincaid slander on, on this game. He saved you from two massive turnovers and made several good catches. They just didn't call his number a lot. But players did show up. You're just your number one ride wide receiver who kind of disappeared well, no, for the last month of I the season. The, didn't the show. stars. The stars didn't show up. I thought Cook Josh Allen and he's played. Not, it's going to be the star. No, and Josh, I, I said Josh was the exception, but the other superstars on the team, the other dudes who we pay to be superstars, didn't show up the way that they were supposed to. Kincaid did show up, but he's a rookie. We were that's he's not supposed to be a superstar right yet. Cook did show up, but again, he's kind of on the ascent to that, and he's had an amazing season that I would consider him of an upper level. But again, he's not somebody I look at who is like you're supposed to have consistent years in and out every year. Stephon Diggs is somebody I look at like that, and he didn't show up. Vaughn Miller was somebody we paid like that, and he barely showed up. Rasul Douglas, who's had a really good year up until now, and I know he's battling through an injury, he got cooked a bunch. Like, our biggest stars weren't where we needed them to be at any point during that game outside of Josh. And then, again, the the couple of guys who are up and coming right now, like Shakir, like Cook, like Kincaid, because Kincaid did have a great game. I will absolutely agree with you there. He made a number of catches that were extremely important, a couple of them that were pretty difficult. Batting the ball out was a pretty smart move on his part. And, you know, jump, being in the, the place to jump on that other fumble, like he, he had a really good game. But they're just – the people who you pay to make that one game-breaking play, that catch that Stephon Diggs should have made, a sack that could have happened, you know, uh, 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 not even an interception, but just a bad pass. None of them happened. Not one of those plays happened outside of a couple of lucky bounces with that fumble through the end zone. I mean, okay, Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde, but I think we're losing Micah Hyde. A letter just got sent out today by his wife that sounds very much like they're leaving Buffalo. And Pointer might be staying, but he's sustaining injury after injury. He's getting older, too. Like, we don't have much longer with any of these pieces. So what are we going to do going forward? I have no freaking idea, man. I just got to hope that Brandon Bean keeps the track record alive of pulling stuff out of his ass in the mid-rounds. I mean, now, now like getting to the point where you know how much like another game that we saw over the weekend with the Packers, they couldn't get over the 49ers regardless of whether they're the favorite or the underdog. Like it's become uh it's become a thing with you know with the Chiefs and the Bills and it, this was the opportunity and remember how uh, Mason when we were talking in our two person pod like whether if you're miserable as well is it really a home field advantage and the Bills like they obviously, because of where they're located, they can't control that. But sometimes it feels like they don't really have a home field advantage in that regard. Like, it, nobody wants, like, a, a game that's a team that's predicated on, like, big play passes and uh, and on Josh Allen's strong arm, which can definitely punch through the winds and the snow in Buffalo. But it's not conducive to the style of team that the Buffalo has built. So there's an unfortunate no, and, circumstance of that. Look at this. It's been a while since I've looked, but the splits used to be pretty bad. 
of like differences between him throwing in a dome versus throwing outside. So it's like we're gonna just spend his entire career making him throw in the worst of the conditions. Yeah, like ironically, like it, like it might be better that you if he was in say Arrowhead as opposed to in High Mark, but not nevertheless, like Possibly, you know, although the weather they're getting now. <laughs> yeah, that that's not exactly the greatest places either, and. Apparently, according to what I've heard, next week won't be any good. Won't the weather won't be any good in in Baltimore either? So, go figure. But like you mentioned, how like this is kind of like how like when I looked at like my team and how how the, this season fizzled out and how many of the established faces might be gone from our mini run of the last two years. You mentioned Hoyer and Hyde, one or maybe both of them could be gone. Gabe Davis, like for as material as he is, I think they could have definitely used him uh, over the weekend. And he might—he's a free agent. Who knows if they want to? Who knows if they'll bring him back? It'll be a different-looking team for Buffalo. And, and as long as Josh Allen's there, like, and he's still in his prime, he's like 27, 28. So he's got like at minimum, like barring some catastrophic injury, like three or four seasons of him playing like he's playing now. He might have to transition a bit when, as he gets a bit older and he gets more mileage and hits on him. But I think you can still count on him to be a reliable base point for the Bills. But who knows what happens with Diggs? It seems like it something happens with Diggs every offseason. And I think this is the first year where his performance really kind of dipped off a cliff. Um, as opposed to previous years when he was still played well and the team just and the rest of the team didn't quite live up. So it's a tough time, and if like the Eagles stuck with Sirianni, so I have a hunch they'll probably stick with McDermott. Although, like your mileage will obviously vary on how you view that, and if they really do want to bring a like a genius offensive mind into the fold, like if they could like get their hands on Ben Johnson, for example, I think I think that would really su- supercharge this offense. But it's an uncertain time for Buffalo. And this team will look very different. Yeah, it's definitely, I, again, I don't think they're going to fire him. I, it just doesn't seem like, but again, I mean, they, they, we've only gone through like two coaches with this ownership group. So I guess I don't really necessarily know how they're going to handle coaching disappointment as far as that's going to go. Because I mean, while, has he done an excellent job with the team? Yeah, because we've had a winning record under him nearly every year. He was the first coach to take us to the playoffs in two decades. That was with Tyrod Taylor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's done a lot for us. But at some point, you've got to look and go, okay, you've been removed from the playoffs three years by the same team. Clearly, there's something about that that you can't get over the hump. Something's got to get done. We can't keep going to the playoffs just to listen to the stupid Chiefs. And frankly, I'm really tired of the coolest games of the year constantly being the ones that we lose in. Yeah, I, I can imagine that, how that can get on your nerves. That that's that sucks. I will say yeah, one there's thing. Like, that... There's like a half a dozen games over the past two years that I just can't watch, and they were freaking amazing games. And it's because at the end of it, we lose. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not just the Chiefs either. Like that game, that game no. like, a couple of years ago in Arizona, for example, like that was a great yep. game and ended on a ridiculous play. And it would have ended on a yet another ridiculous play if they just wouldn't have made that Hail Mary because that touchdown to Diggs was sick. Exactly. It's 
Nobody it's, talks about that though. It's tough. But like but one thing I, I won't tolerate from this loss that's starting to get thrown around is this Josh Allen as Philip Rivers type thing. That is just that is just so far from the truth. Philip Rivers was never putting up the kind of numbers in a regular season Josh Allen was is putting up. And Josh Allen, despite losing to Patrick Mahomes, is a playoff quarterback. I see him as this generation's Peyton Manning, a guy whose career started a little bit slow, who has run into a beast in the playoffs. Peyton Manning started 0-3 in his career in the playoffs. Overall, his entire career, he had a 14-13 and record. People forget it took Peyton Manning years, literally seven years, to win a Super Bowl. You can be one of the greatest quarterbacks of a generation and still struggle and run into guys like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes and, and, and just be there. So I just... I can't, that's one narrative out of this that I just can't stand. Josh Allen is still an amazing quarterback. He is still probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame. And just because at this point in in his career, he hasn't gotten to the Super Bowl and he hasn't gotten over the hump of Patrick Mahomes yet, doesn't mean he will never do that. Like, we, I, I know it feels that way, Mason, but eventually the ball's not going to bounce their way or they won't run into the Chiefs again until the conference championship game. And the only reason it feels that way for me is because of the team. But honestly, if you ask me for my objective opinion on who the better quarterback was out there on Sunday, it was Josh. I, well, now we have to get to the part that I dislike because I have praise for... (laughs) It was not hey, Josh I, Allen. No. It yes, was it Patrick was. Mahomes no who no played way. an almost uh-huh. flawless game, dude. As did, dude, as did Josh. If it wasn't for receivers putting the ball on the ground for the most part, his game would have been better. Like, look, you got to take some account into that shit. Gary's Tony's figuring out how to catch a fucking ball. Where did that come from? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to discount Pat Mahomes. He was, I mean, okay. They were, might have been equally good because Pat they, was also they were equally good. Saying. If anything, they were equally good because Josh Allen was good. I don't disagree with that. He was patient. He played almost a perfect game, but in those final two minutes, he made too many mistakes. And I get you can call the Josh the, the Stefan Diggs drop. That's on Diggs. I get it. But he has Diggs running wide open underneath him, and he doesn't hit him. And he goes for a kill shot with 144 left, which doesn't make a lot of sense when the quarterback sitting on the other sideline with three timeouts at that point is Patrick Mahomes. So he did not play a perfect game. He, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. How, does, how does going for a kill shot when you're down, like regardless of the time, not make any sense? You want to get up. It doesn't matter how much time you have left. Like You can't assume that you're going to move down the field and score with 20 seconds left. That is that is a faulty assumption. That is that is hindsight analysis at its finest. If he had made, if he had hit Shakir on that throw, and the bell, the bills like they Shakir was open, and Shakir yeah. was open, and if Josh didn't get hit, that ball was hitting Shakir dead yeah. in the hand. And you, you scored a touchdown, you take the lead, 
and then you take your chances with the defense. Obviously, it's banged up, but you can't you can't intentionally pass up a touchdown unless it's absolutely certain. And then and then try to play for the time when the defense is as good as Kansas City's is. Like you can't make that assumption. Like I I understand like that play going to Diggs might have been a safer and smarter option because he was open. But Shakir was also open. And if you can't no, if you have an open chance to throw for a touchdown, you throw for the touchdown. Okay. I, I that's the that that analysis I do not agree with at all. You go for the touchdown when you can, and then you take your chance with the lead. You don't slow, you don't intentionally pass up a touchdown and then try to nail that little perfect balance where you have 20 seconds left and you score a touchdown because we ha- we assumed that Tyler Bass would also hit that field goal for 44 yards out and look what that you can't assume you're going to score to take the lead that's 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 terrible that's terrible strategy and that's that sort of analysis is bs yeah i think you make fair points there i just it look, is, they both it, play it is totally nice games yeah, Josh got let down by the team. It wasn't Josh. Yeah, like the one the one thing I'll take issue with Mason is that Nate Allen was not clearly the better quarterback. <laughs> like I think that yeah, that part no, is I, 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 I totally disagree okay. with that. And like, I'll I'll walk that back a bit. But yeah. they were both excellent. Yeah, it was it was it was like how like, I think I phrased it in a different like group chat when I was watching. It was a high quality quarterback duel. You know, like both quarterbacks played yeah. very well. Like some of some of it they played a little unconventionally. Like, but I think I thought that both quarterbacks played exceptionally well until like the fourth quarter when things started to go haywire. And I will say this though, Eric, have you seen Philip Rivers' stats? They are not that far apart for Josh Allen's. Have you seen Philip Rivers' stats? Yeah, but it, I just, it is not I, as it's not as disrespectful Rivers as you ne- might think to compare to R- Philip Rivers. Rivers never met, had the kind of regular season success winning wise that Josh Allen has. That's just completely inaccurate. Like, yeah, Josh Allen... that more Chargers issue than a Philip Rivers issue? That's a Chargers issue, dude. Like, when you, yeah, talk, when you talk about still, the quarterback... Play. Like, I think he's closer to Peyton Manning, to be honest with you, if I had to make a comparison. Like, they're completely different players, but, like, their career trajectories are similar. That's that's my it's, that it's was a, it's my a fair favorite. point because like you as you mentioned Manning was known for being a playoff choker until you know he finally made that breakthrough in Indianapolis and if, and if we're gonna get it shoved down our throat constantly that this is the next Brady Manning then someone has to be Peyton Manning and you guys know how I feel about Peyton Manning I worship Peyton Manning but the fact is that Peyton Manning for the entirety of his career was always chasing Brady and never really got close to him. And while some people could like me can say, Oh, well, he's like the second or third greatest quarterback of all time. Realistically, he's probably not because he only won one title on his own merit and didn't really get there until the end. And when he had a, dynamite defense to drag him there when his arm was shot like I, I I do feel like they have similar career trajectories in that they are excellent regular season players who just happen to play in a conference with a generational talent that is hard to get by that that's where I see the that is where I see the similarities I can see that. And it's, I mean, and again, too, it comes down to the, the QB coaching marriage too, which is, is what's problematic. It's Andy Reid plus 
that because it was Bill Belichick plus Tom Brady. Like that was what was the world beater. And it just, you're not, you, I mean, I think what's going to, what's really going to tell who he gets comp to is genuinely just how his career ends. If he does get one or yeah. two Super Bowls, then it is Peyton Manning. If it's not, it's Philip Rivers or it's Jim Kelly or it's Dan Marino. That yeah. that's just how I mean because I don't disagree. As long as he continues playing the way he's playing, as long as he has the longevity, he's going to be considered one of the best talents of football of all time in like a top twenty or thirty list at least. One yeah, thing he, I do, he, one thing I do disagree but, with, but one, the Super Bowls makes it complicated. I know. One thing I do disagree with Mason, and maybe I'm just naive here. But with a talent like him, it goes back to the Joe Burrow quote. As long as he's career bare, the window is open. I get they're going to lose a lot this offseason. I get they're probably going to have to draft well. But you can't tell me that next year they will not be contenders to win that division again. They they will be. No, they will be for sure. It's just I don't know what the next iteration of this team is quite going to look like, especially on, like, defense. I think there's going to be a lot of turnover there that, that's going to make that look a little bit different than it has in years past. Well, so I think just... you, you have an advantage there because for as much as we love defenses, this weekend and these playoffs have proved that this is an offensive league. And you have – a top three NFL quarterback, I would argue the second best quarterback in the NFL. And that is just going to make you dangerous. Like I hate to break it to you, but if it's really just going to happen this way every year, expect to be in the divisional round against the Kansas city chiefs a lot. Like I would expect him to be playing in these matchups a lot. I do think we will literally get this matchup for the next five years of their respective careers because that is how good both of them are. And that they have both proven that the teams around them don't really matter. They they are just good enough to get there on their own because, like you said, the defense at no point this year was great because of the injuries. And the offense had to be strung along throughout the year. Like, the reason the Bills got as far as they did was Josh Allen. And that is literally the only reason because as you have so aptly pointed out Stefan Diggs disappeared from this team James Cook James Cook and Josh Allen carried this team to where they got to and as long as those two players are, are on that team I, I feel good and I know it's hard to hear this as someone who just lost but I still feel really optimistic about the Bills like I think you trade Stefan Diggs this offseason get out of a contract, go draft young players, kind of do like a Rams-type reload, rebuild this offseason, and then you just go at it for the next two or three years because Kincaid's going to get better, and the offensive line is, for the most part, locked up under contract and good, and the running game is there. You have someone. like I I, I refuse to feel like this is the end of an era for them. I, I it, they will have more chances is what I'm trying to say. Like a lot more chances. I mean, I don't disagree, especially because like, if you look at the playoffs, the one thing that Josh and Patrick Mahomes definitely both share is the moment they start the playoffs, they both just stop doing 
like really dumb things at this point in their careers. Like they both just play really immaculate football throughout yeah, the playoffs. Absolutely. I would argue that that wild card game was the best game of Josh Allen's career. And this game was I don't close. know, man. That Patriots game where we slaughtered them in the playoffs. That was close too. The the Chiefs one was close, but not not quite as good because of some of the things that I hindsight analysis, you know. But I I I I I did He's had a lot that. of extremely excellent games in the playoffs. That's really just what it boils down to. And a very small sample size too. Yeah, right. I mean you can make the argument that his best game in the postseason was the thirteenth second game. Yeah, it might have been too. Yeah, that that was a very good game by him as well. What are you gonna do with kicker? You have to get rid of that one, obviously. I... Yeah, he has to die. Uh, he's going to the pit. He will be into the pit, and uh, we will move on. No, um, uh, unfortunately, actually, so we'll, we'll get into some actual news about the team. Um, he received a lot of, of hate. Over that mistake and a lot yeah, really of like retribution over it, which is yeah, genuinely unfortunate. Um, but uh, in in at least Bill's mafia fashion, he does have a charity, Ten Lives. It's a, a animal adoption charity of some variety, and I I have lost the post at this point that was talking about it. Um, but uh, they posted about it earlier today, and uh, it is now up considerably in donations. So hopefully, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know what happened to him in his past two games because uh, he, he missed some really easy field goals that he really just never did before. And so I'm hoping he can just kind of like get figured out because before that he was excellent. I don't know. I just, so I don't know. Remember you're kicking, you're kicking in Buffalo, which is not exactly the easiest place to kick. No, it's not. But when everybody else is making them, fair point. All right, we'll get to the Chiefs uh, when when we talk about the AFC title game here in just a moment. Briefly, uh, Lions Buccaneers. Just briefly on the Bucks, very good season for them. No one thought they would do literally anything. I think we all have been projected to be the bottom of that division. The question for the group here, if they can keep Mike Evans around, is it worth hanging on to Baker Mayfield on like a Daniel Jones type contract? I'd say so. Like Baker, like this isn't the first time that Baker has played actually pretty well. Remember he was playing, he did play very well in Cleveland that one year before his shoulder went to shit and Stefanski, you know, turned into Bill Belichick and Baker into Mac Jones and, Stefanski apparently wanted to get, ride the guy out of town. But when the circumstances are good around him, Baker has shown that he can, at the very least, be a serviceable quarterback. And I would argue that I think he has more, you know, he has more leeway to ask for a contract the size of Daniel Jones than actually Daniel Jones did. Daniel Jones got what he got because of leverage situations, and he parlayed one year into a very big contract. And Baker showed more as a passer than. Daniel Jones has ever ever shown. Uh, but the problem with the Bucks is that they it's not just Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield that are gonna be like looking for contracts. Tristan Worse is in line for a contract. Uh 
Antoine Winfield will be a free agent. He was he was massive for them on defense. And if they want to maintain any semblance of that sort of control on their defense, they need to get they need to grab Antoine Winfield. So it's a tricky time because I think the Bucks' original idea this year was that Baker would be a stopgap. They just kind of slog through the season and at, they t- they take their lumps from the Bra- from the Brady years this year and then sign and then sign their young guys like Burfs and Winfield to contracts and then handle and then get a, have have a high pick and transition into a new era. But this season's progress, I think, might have made them given them second thoughts and. It's, it will be up to them to decide whether Baker is worth forty plus a year, like because Dan, that's what Daniel Jones got. So that's why I'm putting that as a baseline. So it's a tricky time for the Bucks, and maybe they'll say like what we saw was you know the ideal version of Baker, and it won't be how Baker is all the time. So they'll say thanks for the year, get your contract somewhere else, but we'll see. Hmm. I mean, I, I definitely think. They could try and you know keep him around for a little bit. Um, I, I, so at this point in his career, I feel like the comp for Baker Mayfield might end up being Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm. He's a little more successful since he actually made it to the playoffs. But I mean, he's got the energy. He's moving around, taking a team to some wins. He might take him for some money. And then get the boot and go somewhere else and get some more money. Feels like a guy who could hang on for another like ten years, just bouncing around and taking teams on rides. I mean, he could be this, this generation's Vinny Testaverde, completely down to being Ooh. like a very high draft pick. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say this: if the Denver Broncos roll into next season with, and we'll t- I'll talk about the Broncos in March when we have when it matters. But I'm very Are you much just hoping the Broncos get Baker Mayfield. Yes, I'm very much both. So you know, <laughs> at the point in my life where if they roll out Jared Stidham next year, I'm done. I'm not watching any games. I I don't care enough. Uh, so I'm hoping they go with a funner option than Jared Stidham. My top candidates right now are Jameis Winston and Baker Mayfield. Both those guys I would really like to see. Uh, How about everyone. Justin Fields? What are you on that experience? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if they have to trade for him, I mean, they have to not. trade for him. Like he's not a free agent, so yeah, I probably <laughs> they just the problem with them trading for literally anyone is they have no assets. So, uh, yeah, but you know, just food for thought. If Baker Mayfield ends up a Denver Bronco, I'll be very happy, and I think I'll buy Russell Baker Mayfield. For Baker Mayfield, who says no? What now? That's, for Baker Mayfield. No. That's actually an the interesting no. trade if the yeah. Bucks wanted to just eat the contract and tank. You never know. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Bucks have decided, like, let's go for a pick next year. Yeah, may- maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm glad I can bring you some joy, Mason. Because, you. you know, I. I, I, I will say, at least you made the play. Like, I know it was heartbreaking, but, like, I would give literally anything to have a little bit of playoff heartbreak in my life. It has been 10 years. So. Uh, you, do, you do realize you're talking with two people who have never seen a Super Bowl win in their lifetime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fair. I know, I know, I know. 
I mean, I still enjoy being in the playoffs over the 20 years of never being in the playoffs. So I will take that. But, like, I'd like a little bit more, please. Even just once. <laughs> and then we can go back to drought hell. I'd be okay with that. Just one. I'm not greedy. Now you can, now you can die in peace. All right. Let's hit on these coaching uh, ads really quick, and then let's get into these conference games and get the hell out of here. Uh, very briefly, uh, Antonio Pierce, did I say that right? Yeah. That's his name, right? To yeah. the Raiders, uh, you guys talked about this on one of your mini pods. Uh, I assume you both feel pretty good about it. I mean, it's... I mean, it's it's kind of uncertain exactly what he'll be as a full-time coach, but all we do know is that he has the support of most of the players in that locker room, like Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, who was hell, was hell-bent on leaving Las Vegas. And then once Pierce got in and he, they had the half season with him, said, like Jacobs said in an interview that, like, he, what he showed me as a coach, like, changed my mind. Like, I, I wouldn't be opposed to coming back. So as a former player and also as a, you know, remember we, Mason, we talked about how off-ball linebackers, like, like that who had retired a few years ago are now becoming coaches. And Pierce is another one. Like, obviously he was the, the middle linebacker for the Giants when they won that famous Super Bowl against the 18-0 Pats. So I thought, I, I think also the, the situation from two years ago when Bisaccia did a good job as an interim coach and led the Raiders to the playoffs and then, Mark Davis decided to go for the splashy hire and went for uh, Josh McDaniels, and that backfired. So I think that also played a part in, like, Davis deciding to trust his players and, like, in what they viewed, how they viewed Pierce and give him the job full-time. And I'm happy for him. I think he, I, like, if you did a good job in really a bad situation with limited resources, and then it's it's nice to see someone get rewarded for making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Like the other part of this hiring of other part of the Raiders movement, of course, that we have to talk about is that they somehow thought it was a good idea to tap into the charter, the ex Chargers GM, Tom Telesco, to be their GM. Okay. Which is a more questionable decision, I, I feel. Is it though? Because yes. it is not Tom Telesco's fault that the Chargers are cursed by injuries and had terrible coaching. It's his fault that he hired terrible coaches, but as a talent evaluator, I don't think there's been many better than Tom Telesco. If you look at who he's actually added, he found Derwin James. He found Mike Williams. He found Keenan Allen. He traded for Khalil Mack when Khalil Mack was an all pro. He found Joey Bosa, who when he is healthy is an all pro level edge rusher. He is an incredible talent evaluator oh and by the way when everyone said he wouldn't pan out in the nfl and he was a risky pick he took a shot on justin herbert and ended up getting a top five caliber quarterback in the room i don't want to hear it from people like that anymore it's not tom telesco's fault that the chargers couldn't win that the players didn't have it in them to put it all together and that the, the players got injured and that the coaching was bad that is not his fault. He is an excellent GM and an excellent talent evaluator, and I am scared shitless as a Broncos fan because I think the Raiders got a good guy. Excellent talent evaluator. Okay, let me give you a little rundown of the Telesco drafts. In 2013, the only really player he got was Keenan Allen. He, we, we got in the third round, so that's a very much a plus for him. 2014, they have, they have nobody. Like The only only reasonable success they got was Jason Verrett, and Jason Verrett, for his purposes, was 
constantly injured. 2015, nobody. Melvin Gordon might be the only success out of there. 2016, Joey Bosa, who has been, I think, post-contract, been a terrible disappointment for the Chargers. Only because he is constantly injured. That is a good draft pick. Joey, no, you cannot like, predict. We don't. We do, not, we do not give GMs that sort of leeway when the when the player that signed to a big contract is constantly hurt. We are we we're, we're you think Mason is glad that they that the Bills signed Von Miller and paid a two point eight million dollars for tackling because of injury? That's that's the thing that has been crippled the team. Like I just, okay. I, I yeah. just totally disagree with people constantly trashing him because you've already bought up two borderline all pro players that if they're Keenan Allen might end up in the Hall of Fame, like Derwin James might end up in the Hall of Fame. Like, okay, is, hold on. Then, okay, in recent times, in not just the draft, but in free agency, he brought in JC Jackson, who was a massive bust. He brought in Brian Bulaga, who was, who was constantly hurt and has not played up to expectations. He traded quite a bit to get Khalil Mack, and now he's left the Chargers. In also salary. drafted Rashawn Slater, who is an All-Pro Slater's, tackle. Slater's a very good. Slater's a good pick. I'm not. I'm not saying that his te- his drafting was completely terrible, but the one the players he got, most of them, he had like at best one or two hits per draft. The and Chargers some, have one of the some... most talented rosters in the NFL, dude. They, By, they according they to they what do. standard? According to what standard? What have they? What have they shown to prove you that they're talented? Keenan, you you're telling me Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Justin Allen Herbert, was a draft pick ten Sean years ago. Slater, like Derwin James, like you're telling Derwin me James was not good this year. Let me tell you this: Derwin James was not good this year. I'm just saying he he deserves a second shot, and I think he's going to do a good job. Like I that, that's I just my how, how I feel. Here's I one. Here's one I want to know about from you, though, before I go, because I, I, right. I'm not a fan of it organizationally, but what do you know about Brian Callahan? I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan because he, I did some research today. He's never called plays before. And I think hiring from the Zach Taylor tree is a little bit suspect because I think Zach Taylor might be the best part of the Zach Taylor tree. And I, we I, have I, no idea because there's nobody been hired from the tree as of yet. He's the first, he's the first prototype. Yeah, I I think this is a total gamble. I think the Titans are a poorly run organization at this point in time. I think it's fair to say that. I think it's also fair to say that every single team in their division has their quarterback of the next 10 years, and they do not. So I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be I'm just gonna tell you both as we do our few off season shows through throughout March, April, June, July. I'm gonna be very low on the Titans. I, I I don't like the moves they're making and I am not thrilled by this. Hopefully it works out for them. Like you said, we don't really know. We've never really seen it before. But this is a total gamble, and I think it's still incredibly stupid. They went from a no dial top ten head coach to this guy because the GM may fired traded away AJ Brown. Like that makes no sense to me. They're a poorly run organization. They have a bad owner. That's, that's where I'm at with the Titans. Well, I mean, I mean, those are fair. Like those are fair criticisms to have. Like we have like 
even us Bengals fans are not completely sure exactly what Brian Callahan's role is in the offense, but we do know he does spend a lot of time, like apparently, like developing the game plan alongside Zach Taylor and Dan Pitcher. And Taylor has obviously final say on play calling, but apparently, according to Taylor, it's a very collaborative effort. And like obviously, as a head coach, and Zach Taylor has final say, but. I think many of the Bengals players and coaches that have worked with him have pretty high regard for him. And I would assume that because they do have a potential like quarterback of the future who is less proven than the other ones in that division, no doubt. But they do have someone who showed flashes in Will Levis. And they decided that if they're gonna have if they're gonna test out this young quarterback, they want someone that they wanted someone that A had good and came from a place with good culture and no matter say what you want about Zach Taylor's like coaching ability. The man, the man rescued Cincinnati's like locker room culture. The, the, you, what you see on game day and in the locker room, like that's a team that will play for their coach. And so they're hoping that Brian Ka- that rubs off, rubbed off on Callahan and that he can help in developing Will Levis. And what's probably going to be a very young group of offensive players, like as they progress through. So it's like Callahan's, this is true that Callahan has never directly called plays, but Andy Reid never called plays before he became a head coach. Like there are a lot of there are a lot of guys who like didn't call plays before they became a head coach and then went on to have fine head coaching careers. Mike McDaniel, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, never called the plays either in San Francisco. So it like you like it's a fair criticism to say that in the new, in the new trend of the NFL that you want someone that has a record of play calling as an as an OC. But it's not a prerequisite for head coaching success. And I think one other thing that I might have influenced the Callahan hire is that Brian Callahan is the son of pretty well-renowned offensive line coach Bill Callahan, who's currently in Cleveland. And the Titans have had a dreadful time on the offensive line over the past several years. It's a testament to Derrick Henry that he he constantly got over 1,000 yards behind that garbage offensive line. And so if... Brian Callahan can maneuver over Bill Callahan from Cleveland. I think that also played a part into what, what they wanted to be and in terms of how they wanted to build that offense specifically. And if he leaves Cleveland, thank God that Brian Callahan did the Bengals one last favor on his way out and we'll take it from there. So I'm happy for Brian Callahan because I, he was on a lot of teams. I think he was in Denver as well on like in the Peyton Manor area. He was like one of the offensive assistants. And so now he's he's paid his dues as like grunt work and also as OC, and now he's going to get his chance as a head coach. So I'm happy for him. Hope he does well. Obviously, except when he plays Cincinnati. And best of luck to him. All right, joining us now, Brock. Uh, welcome to the podcast, my man. Just in time, we're going to hit very quickly our our thoughts on these conference championship games and uh, get the hell out of here. Uh, Sounds good. So I'll, I'll let you pick, man. Where do we start? AFC, NFC. Uh, let's go with my home conference, NFC. All right. Detroit Lions. Here they are. Go Lions. Uh, go Lions, led indeed. Led by Jerry Goff Unified. all the way against Verbrock Purdy, led, uh, led San Francisco 49ers. Save us, Dan Campbell. You're our only hope. Yeah, and I'm just going to say this, guys. We're in the playoffs. I, I pick playoff games most of the time, 
by uh, quarterbacks. Sorry, Mason, but I made an egregious error picking against Patrick Mahomes. By the way, a blood oath, <laughs> a, a blood oath, a blood oath. I now have to for the majority of the rest of his podcast, unless approved by the rest of a panel, call Patrick Mahomes a top five quarterback. So uh, that this seems that, just to me. So yeah. <laughs> that that no is there. That is you are the uh, real loser in all of this. That is true. So that <laughs> coming from Mason, this is incredible. Really painful. Like I just <laughs> bet everything on Josh Allen, and that was tough. I know you guys have already talked about it, but like down. I, I can't believe that how that game ended. Anyway, yeah, I'm well, sorry, Mason. That's tough. Deja vu yep. of uh, Deja vu of Super Bowls past. So no, why, why be? Man, I gotta fucking hate you too. Why, why you gotta bring that up, man? You you, you can't be bringing that up around you, our, our soft, were, sweet prince. It, was, <laughs> it, so it, it wasn't bad enough that that scumbag made that joke literally two seconds after it happened. You have oh, to do it yeah. again now. You were, yeah, you were not, yeah. The WhatsApp group chat really went off, Brock. It was, it was not. It, we, it was, we really need to merge the group chats. I think. It was not, it was not positive. Well, Brock just has to get a WhatsApp, which I haven't asked him about. So hey, I was positive until that last shot he made. And now I'm done. I am done being classy about the Chiefs. <laughs> All right, anyway, we're on the NFC. I'll talk my crap about them yeah. next in a minute. Eric, you, you were saying you're picked based on quarterback so i'm interested in which one you're going this, with here yeah this is an interesting game to yeah. pick based on quarterbacks yeah that's I think, what i'm thinking I, i'm i'm saying something right here right now i think jared goff is a vastly better quarterback than brad purdy is interesting like i i really do like at this point in his career i've seen enough of a sample size and you could say sure it's all ben johnson and the big test will be next year of course when johnson gets hired away to BBOC somewhere else. But for two years, Jared Goff has put up top 10 quarterback performances consistently and hasn't had a ton of bad games and hasn't missed a ton of throws and hasn't had a ton of bad turnovers. He still has a very good arm. I think he has a better arm than Purdy. All you have to see is where the the two were drafted. Brock Purdy was the last pick of draft for a reason. He's got smaller hands. The arm strength's not quite as good. Jared Goff has all the tools of an elite NFL quarterback and has played that way for the past two months now. He has been unreal. He has had maybe two bad games in the last six, and he's playing out of his mind. And people are going to walk into this and say, oh, the, the 49ers have this unstoppable offense. Well, guess what? So did the Detroit Lions. To be completely honest with you, David Montgomery has been a truck this year, and Jameer Gibbs has come on at the perfect time. Amon Ross St. Brown dominated the Buccaneers last week. Josh Reynolds continues to show up in big moments. They, Brock Wright is making plays. Like they, they have weapons coming namesake. out the wazoo, man. Coming out the wazoo. I'm just saying, man, this this Lions team, I'm I'm sick of people being like, oh, look out, it's it's can the Lions keep up with the 49ers? Absolutely they can. They have proven time and time again that they can keep up with literally anyone in the NFL. Like that 
not, I don't, not with the Ravens, but but that that was that was a defense that I don't think the 49ers have, to be completely honest with you. Mm. I think the 49ers defense is completely overrated. I think the offensive line for Detroit can shut down their vaunted pass rush. And I don't think their court once again has Jordan Love proved. And as I have been saying for a few weeks now, I don't think the Niners have a good secondary. Like Jordan Love at 160 passing yards, dude. And you're saying that the Niners don't have a good secondary? They may they they blew some coverage. I mean Jordan dude. Love. Like Jordan Love missed a lot of throws in the second half. That's what happened there. Jordan Love crumbled when when the time mattered most. I'm just saying, I think the Lions do the Lions are the Lions as talented as the 49ers overall? No, but they have just as good of an offense. They go weapon for weapon with the San Francisco 49ers. That's that's my argument about this game. I think we're just going to have to wait and see if the 49ers wear thick enough knee pads because if they don't, the Lions are taking their kneecaps and they're adding it to the next mm-hmm. bus. It's already full of other people's kneecaps. They've been taking them all year and they're coming for the 49ers ones too. But Jared Goff has been at least like, I, I think he has been a, a better quarterback than Brock Purdy just because of the system that he's working in and everything like that. I mean, Kyle Shanahan makes just about anybody who steps under center for him look at least pretty damn good. So I think there's always like a bit of a bias to anybody who quarterbacks for the 49ers for at least a little while, as long as they're healthy and not Jimmy G. And they do, I mean, they Although do match up pretty well with weapons. Like, in terms of weapons to weapons, like, we have no idea whether Debo Samuel will be all right to play this game. So that's one weapon down on the Niners' side. And uh, you can, I'm going to I'd say, are like both like elite level of wide receivers, the opposite two, two of the better tight ends in the game. Like, running back, like McCaffrey versus the combination of Montgomery and Gibbs. It's, in terms of offensive weapons, I think they're both pretty evenly matched you give the edge to the offensive line for the lions but even though like eric will maintain that the niners defense is overrated and to an extent i do agree but they are a vastly better defense than the lions i'm sorry <laughs> compared to the lions oh no talk I'm, about... not, I'm not saying that I, they, they definitely have a better defense than the lions i'm not saying that i'm saying that jerry goff can easily make this defense look foolish that is that is easily what might saying. not be the right word I'd use there, but I see your point. And remember, like, remember when we had our like when we talked there uh, a couple days ago after the after the second set of games, like I mentioned how the term system quarterback is often used as a pejorative. But mm. if you're in that system and you can produce results, is it really a pejorative? Like, does it really matter if you're a quote unquote a system quarterback if you can get the results? And you were, you could make the argument that these two are basically like if in the AFC it's the quarterbacks who are the system, it's a matchup of Lamar and Mahomes. These two, it's the it's the matchup of quote-unquote system quarterbacks in Brock Purdy and Jared Goff. And, and I don't know what the weather will be because Purdy did struggle in the rain in San Francisco last week. Like, if it's a clear day, maybe Purdy will play a bit better than he did last week. But Goff's obviously, he went to, went to school at Cal, and he's used to that weather, so I don't think weather will be a problem in that regard. Like, I'm obviously rooting for the Lions, 
primarily like primarily because all the the other three teams have a pretty bad history with the Bengals, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. And also, it would be cool to see a, a team that really had suffered through so much, like actually break through and get the whole thing. We came close to that two years ago, but fell up just short. So it'd be nice to see our Lake Erie brothers get something out of this season. But it'll be an interesting game, and like who knows what the Niners' defense will look like because they obviously didn't look as good as they did the season against Green Bay, but. Now that they had like a week and a scare to kind of get them back to jolt them back into consciousness, I think they'll play better than they did against Weaving. I don't think either of these defenses um, are like can be classified as elite. Um, I don't think the quarterbacks are as far apart as, as you think they are, Eric. Um, I do think I would take Jared Goff over Brock Purdy at like today going into this game, but I, I don't think they're that far apart. I do th- if Debo plays, the Niners skill position is so much better than the than the Lions, uh, in my opinion, if Debo plays. If it doesn't, I think it is closer and more like what you were saying, uh YB. Um I think the Lions will win this. That's I'm gonna pick the Lions. Uh, but you know, I think it all depends on how well does Brock Purdy play. And how well does the Lions defense play? Because I think the the Lions offense is going to produce. So it's whether or not the 49ers uh, offense can produce or not against the Lions defense. That's what I think the game's going to come down to. And it's a Brock sure. off. We got Brock right on the Lions. We got Brock Purdy on the on the uh, the Niners. It's good. I can't tell you how many text messages I got. Uh, this past weekend, like people discovering <laughs> that Brock Wright was playing as a tight end, like so many text messages, people just unaware of this man's existence. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were playing on the line. Yeah, you know, <laughs> must, must be it's a banner time for Brock's considering that the only I, famous well, Brock in the NFL for a long time was Brock Oswald, and that wasn't oh, because he was a good player. Thank God, I was so thankful when Brock Purdy was ascendant. It washed the taste of Osweiler out of all of our mouths. Um. Yeah, the name has gotten more popular over over the over the past couple of years. That's for sure. Does it have anything just, to do with a certain roided up uh, WWE wrestler? No, <laughs> no. I just, I just, I to, so. to be honest with you, you know what I what what I what I associate Brock with the most is, uh, and I, I'm not really even that into the into this show, but there's like a pretty famous like Pokemon like uh, this is so oh, yeah. the trainer. Named Bro- Bro- trainer yeah, named Brock so so, and so that, just... that, that's that's where I go when I hear the name Brock most of the time so so I okay growing up I grew up in you know the 90s early 2000s I was one of two things it was either Brock Lesnar or yeah, Brock from Brock Pokemon Lesnar. I did not watch WWE I did not play Pokemon so both these references just completely over my head very nice. Do you have a final score for this game as we go through and pick here? Uh, I'm going to go 28-21, Lions. All right, YB, how you feeling? I mean, this is one of those situations where, like, you have the heart and the head, and they kind of go in different directions. Like, the head tells me that the Niners have a more proof. well, proven might not be the right word because Shanahan's never won in the big game, but like he's proven more than Dan Campbell has, even though Campbell has been a remarkable coach this year. And if Debo doesn't play, the offenses are pretty well matched against each other. And I think they might be a good like the Lions might have a good matchup in that regard. But when you put when the Lions, I think were very helped out a lot 
by having a raucous Detroit crowd, like absolutely mm -hmm. terrorizing the opposing teams. And so this is going to be played in San Francisco. And I think that provides that slight bit of advantage for the Niners. And I think the Niners do pull it off as much as I hate to say it. Mm. I, I think they pull it off 31-28. Mason. I think it's going to be a bit of a higher scoring game. But I don't know. I just kind of want to see one. And I think this is these two teams could provide it for us. It'd be a lot of fun to see. Say 38-35 Lions. Yeah, I'm picking with my heart here. I'm picking with what I want to see. And uh, I'm done with Brock Purdy as a concept. Uh, he is... Uh... He is someone wow. that I so I, quick, uh, so quick to judge Eric, these young Eric quarterbacks. Has, Eric has always been anti Purdy. Yeah, no, I'm Going done with like Brock. I'm I'm done with Brock Purdy as a concept. I hope he falls flat on his face this weekend and embarrasses himself. You see, this uh, is why this is why the teams you root for can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Eric has signed that Brock Purdy is going to be a starting quarterback at, in in the top five for the next 15 years, just just based on this podcast episode and yeah <laughs> i mean yeah it, it, you know it, it, to be honest guys like in my fantasy football league that i play in with with all my friends from home i'm known as a massive reverse jinxer and I, I i do think i have some power in that regard so me believing this so hard means the niners will undoubtedly win and brock birdie will play well but i'm taking jared goff outdoors him in a shootout give me 34 31 Lions and they make it to the Super Bowl. What a Super Bowl it is. Brock, mm. I want you to talk to us about BAFC. Tell me about what you're looking forward to in Chiefs Ravens. Because I, I, I feel like to me, I don't I, I, I just have things to say about it. I have the soliloquy for this game. So we'll we'll go <laughs> we'll go for me at last. Uh but uh I'll let you you three have the floor. Take it away. Tell me what I need to know about this game. The Ravens are surging at the exact time they need to be. Um, if the Chiefs somehow win this game, like we shouldn't need blood oaths to compel you to acknowledge uh, Patrick Mahomes because they will only be because of Patrick Mahomes uh, that they win this game. I mean, I mean, what I'm looking forward to is a meteor hitting uh, MNT Bank Stadium. Like, I, I think that'd be the one I'm looking for the most because I have a strong distaste for strong distaste for both of these teams. But, like, you know how it is, about Brock. Like, even if like a, a, a out of conference team, out, an out of division team has beaten you several times or is like seen as like the great team, like you you will never root for the Falcons or the Saints or <laughs> or one of one of your division teams in a game. Yeah. Like, you will never do that. Likewise, yep. like I like I respect the Ravens and how they're run. They're a very well-run team. I do not deny that, but I cannot, in my heart of hearts, like support, like throw my support behind a team that shouted "fuck Joe Burrow" when he went when he went off the field with an injury. Like that's mm. like so. As much as it pains me to say it, like if you force me to choose a team this week, week with a gun to my head. I mean, I, I, you have to, I, I have to choose the Chiefs in that regard. Like, it's not a choice mm. I make very easily. It's not a choice I make painlessly. But 
I will not be caught dead supporting the Ravens, the Steelers, or the Browns in any circumstance. Like the only only time I'll probably support them is when the if the Browns were to play the Ravens, like that would have been a fun scenario. But mm. I've never looked that that did not come to pass. Like in terms of the game itself, I think yes. the Ravens had the upper hand. Like they have a I think even though the Chiefs defense played well, like they played well pretty consistently over the season. The Ravens defense is a little well. Like and. Mahomes is very good, and I think he's coming into form along with the, along with his like supporting cast, like as in the right time as the Chiefs are wont to do. But I think the Ravens really do have something to prove, and the home field advantage, and Lamar also having something to prove. As much as pains me, I think, I think the Ravens do slay the Chiefs. I think they do it. Like I, it pains me to say it, but I think they do it. Yeah, I agree with Wiley there. It, the Ravens just do overall look like the stronger team. Like I, Pat Mahomes is the better quarterback. There's there's not really a question there. And does that mean the Chiefs have a chance to win? Literally always. So, you know, he can always pull off some really goofy shit and make sure that they win the game over the Ravens. That's fine. But consistency, a, a team that's that's super hot right now and just capable of going off and laying down points after points after points a defense that's capable of making plays that's the ravens right now so that's that's the team that that i think comes out of this too and i mean again then in my heart i really hope so i i would genuinely love to watch kansas city go in there and just get an atomic bomb dropped on them that would be super fun to watch the amount of messages that would get sent to Brad. <laughs> All right, so so I I do have to bounce as Eric will want to tell you. So if you want my final score for the game, I think the Ravens win. Uh, thirty twenty eight, thirty twenty. Thank you, YB. We will uh we'll see you hopefully briefly next week. Now, I I will say to our. Listeners, next week's podcast will be very short. We'll just talk about the games in uh, in brief and mainly who lost and then uh, touch on any news and, and get out. But uh, thanks again, YB. Appreciate you, man. See ya. All right. You two give your picks and I'll wrap us up here. Um. Yeah, I think the issues of plague the Chiefs for most of the season uh, don't go away. And the Ravens win this game 30-21. Mason. Oh, I guess Mason is AFK at the oh, moment. There we go. Okay. Oh, I'm he, back now. Hello. He, he's back. <laughs> Connection issues there for a second. Um, no worries. I, I think that we're going to get to keep seeing the Lamar Jackson that we've been seeing. And uh, the, the Ravens are going to come out and they're going to make sure that uh, Kansas City does not get to yet another Super Bowl. Let's say twenty four seventeen. All right, I need you to grade my soliloquy here, uh, because <laughs> I, you know, I, I, uh, I have a few of these. The Ravens, they're fantastic. They're a killer team. Their offensive line is dominating. Lamar Jackson is playing out of his mind right now, playing almost perfect for what Lamar Jackson can do put up a hundred yards on the ground last week, running the ball extremely well, throwing the ball extremely well. 
They might be getting Mark Andrews back. That could be huge in this game. And this is a great defense. But they are playing Patrick Mahomes. And they are playing the Kansas City Chiefs. And if I've learned one thing from the playoffs this year, it is that elite defenses cannot be trusted. And the Cowboys got shown up. The Browns got shown up last round. But, you know, I, I would argue, you know, yeah, the the defense has survived, but Patrick Mahomes is the other quarterback, and like I just know how this ends, guys. Like this ends with Patrick Mahomes going back to the Super Bowl, and it's because Rocky said the issues that plagued them all year will plague them in this game. Well, those issues have disappeared over two weeks. In two weeks back-to-back, they have looked like an elite NFL offense. And Marcus Valdez-Scantling has looked like a great wide receiver. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is making plays. Isaiah Pacheco is one of the best-looking running backs in the league. And Travis Kelsey has recaptured his elite form. And they have Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. And I broke the rules last week, and I just refused to do it again. Patrick Mahomes is going to the Super Bowl, and you heard it here first. Patrick Mahomes is winning the Super Bowl. This is how this shit works, guys. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be exciting. We're going to get excited because it'll be the Lions and the Chiefs, and we'll all get excited. And if it's the Niners, we'll all get excited. Oh, wow, a great matchup between offensive minds. And we'll say, man, the Niners are going to smoke them. But, guys, I'm just spoiling this podcast for the next two weeks. I don't give a shit anymore. I've seen enough. Patrick Mahomes is winning the Super Bowl this year. He has that look in his eye. He is playing at that level. The offenses come together. They will continue to roll. They will make the Baltimore defense look foolish. People will say, wow, why did the Mike McDonald defense not work against Patrick Mahomes? Well, because Patrick Mahomes is on a different level than any quarterback in the NFL, period. Chiefs win 24-17 to in a low-scoring game where they just get the better of them. I, I hate to say it. I hate to deliver the news to both of you, but that is how this goes. They are winning the Super Bowl. They're they're literally unstoppable. All I needed to see was them beat the Bills, and I was going to flip and just admit that I have been probably the most wrong I've ever been about anything on any sport in any season of any time. They they didn't need wide receivers because they had the greatest player to ever play the game. Like if if they go and do what you're suggesting, yeah, it's going to be that's what's happening here. This this season, if they if they end the season hoisting the Lombardi after the season they have, that that will be truly impressive. Um and if Mahomes continues to accumulate Super Bowls and and he gets to Tom Brady's mark mark, which I never believed would be possible. I still don't believe it's going to be possible. I mean, it's going to, that conversation that you kind of, you know, your voice kind of cracked a little bit and you got emotional. 
<laughs> you didn't get emotional. I'm just for a fact. But like that question, if he continues, if he wins this year, and then he wins a few more, and he actually gets to the number that Tom Brady has, yeah, that will be the question. That will be the because you can you hear people talk about oh Tom, you know Aaron Rodgers, the best like pure quarterback of all time. But all those all those all those arguments are irrelevant in the face of just Tom Brady's career. But if Patrick Mahomes puts together a similar career with similar accolades, and this year, if he does, especially if he does it this year, I mean, that's the, quite, the conversation we'll have to have eventually, like a real one. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. And like the Chiefs fan will never show up. Like that is like, we're just going to have to have these conversations without him. But Mason, I'm sorry. I, I have to like, be the voice of reason here. Like I love Lamar and I love the Ravens, but like I've I've just seen it too many times. Like he's he's going to win this game because that's what he does. He has one kryptonite and it's Joe Burrow and that's it. And if it's not Joe Burrow, no one can beat him. That's literally that that is it. That that is the reason I'm picking Patrick Mahomes the rest of the way. Because Brock Purdy sure as hell ain't beating him. Jared Goff sure as hell ain't beating him. And I don't think Lamar Jackson stands a chance, to be completely honest with you. It's it's sad, but it's it's just where I think we're at. I I mean I'm look, I'm looking forward to you being wrong. I, I hope I am. Dude, you know me. I, I hate the guy. I mean, I, I really hope I am wrong. But like I don't think I am. I think I'm dead on the money. And if I had to bet money. I, I bet for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, boys. Thank you. Appreciate the time. As always, we'll be back briefly next week for a shortened episode. Then we'll take a week off. We'll do a Super Bowl preview and a Super Bowl recap, either directly following the game, maybe, if I can get anyone to join me, and or uh, the day after or the Monday after. But, uh... It's been fun. Here we are, guys. We're almost at the end. This is this is it. So let's let's, let's rock through and then let's take a, you know our traditional February of no podcasting and come back in March and talk about stuff that won't matter until September. Boys, sounds like a plan. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. We will see you all next time. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out.